everybody, welcome. Sorry we're a tiny little bit late today. Um, I'm here with the amazing coach, Tim, um, who is uh, Tim Pickett from HP3 Coaching. He's sponsored by Scarpa, Sidas, Super Natural Fuel, anything beginning with S basically, and he's the winner of the Summer Spine. That is also beginning That's with S. Well, yeah. <laughs> Challenger <laughs> South. <laughs> Oh my goodness, he's just addicted to S's. Um, it's a um, 108 mile race along the Pennine Way, Spine Challenger South, he won it this summer. Congratulations Tim again. Um, and so he is here today to talk to me about how to do uh, a 50 mile race in a fast enough time to qualify for a 100 mile race um, in the future. So like 15, 16 hours kind of thing. Um, but uh, first, before we let Tim actually say anything, <laughs> I need to read out um, some words from our sponsor, who is Currens. Um, so Currens is a 100% natural blackcurrant supplement for ultra runners. It won best recovery award in 2020 and 2021, and it's been called the Nike Vaporfly of running supplements. So if you don't feel the recovery benefits, you get your money back as well. So I've been taking them to help with DOMS, which is delayed onset muscle soreness, and they certainly seem to help after my Rutland Water half marathon last year. And my next race is the Manx Mountain Marathon 50k next month, April the 8th. So let's see how the legs are after that using Curran. So I've got um, some available in my shop on online, which is um, top top left up there um i'll after the podcast i'll click i'll put a link up there and if you go into the um show, show notes or the film description below then you can see a link there and click through to my little shop um no obligation to buy obviously just if you fancy it give it a go can't do any harm can it so welcome tim it's snowing here with me as it's snowing here with you have you been running in it yeah it's, it's coming down pretty heavy now we're, we're expecting quite a bit later on this afternoon yeah so we did get the warning that might have to come and get the kids early from school. Oh no! So, we'll not, at, not at eleven uh, though, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. They'll be fine. It's not coming down that heavy just yet. But, no. Uh, yeah. And if they do come, winter, home, it's winter. It's, yeah, it's just send them outside. Snow, send them yeah. outside for a, for a snowball fight while you carry on with your work. Um, or, have you been running in the snow yet this morning, or have you been working so far today? I've been working so far. Um, I've got to do a, a run later on. I was planning on doing sort of uh, some tempo efforts, some speedier stuff. So Ooh, good luck with I that might, in the snow. <laughs> yeah, I might take that onto the treadmill. Uh, I can see this this week being a treadmill week. I had some great fun in the snow last week. Went up to Snowdonia with <gasps> my um, my colleague from Scarpa, John John Shield, and we did a, a, a nice little adventure up over over the glitters and. Uh, we were expecting a nice clear day. The Mountain Weather Information Service said it was going to be 70% chance of clear summits. Uh, no, we had zero visibility. Oh, no. So for a recce, we were wrecking the Ultra Trail Snowdonia uh, 100k oh. course. So when you do a recce, I mean, this is a good tip is obviously to get out there and do recce's. It's helpful if you can actually see the ground you're running on <laughs> and remember it for race day. Uh, yeah, just <coughs> a good day on the hills. Um, yeah. yeah oh and is that in on instagram because you do quite a lot of reels on your instagram don't you and i've noticed yeah, you've yeah. got a load of scarpa like meet the team and um scarpa training weekends and things like that on there is it is it one of those yeah it's um it's one i posted last week so i'm, I'm not that um regular with with instagram but it was a, a little fun reel i put together um, so yeah, what, if you look at my Instagram page, there's a, a snapshot of John and, and me uh, and some of the conditions we were running in. Oh, so, yeah, fantastic. 
Oh, cool. Well, everyone check that out. I'll put a link to Tim's Instagram in the, sh in the um, film description below, but it's at Tim Piggott HP3, is that right? Yes, that's the one, yeah, hold on. Yeah. Fantastic. Oh, well, we've got loads of people watching live this morning. Um, so we've got uh, Peter, he says morning. Um, John Airy says hello um, uh, to Claire and Tim. Uh, Caroline Janice says good morning, everyone. Phil Haddock's here as well. Severin says hi. Tracy's watching as well. Lisa Mason is watching. Today, she's watching. And John Doyle. There's loads of people today. So um, thank you, everybody, for tuning in to the slightly earlier time. Um, so yeah, let's cover the fast 50 miles stuff that we've said we were going to cover. And then mm. let's get on to some patron questions. Because if you're a patron of Wild Ginger Running YouTube channel, you get to ask Tim um, some of your actual training questions. Um, you get to ask all the experts but Tim is our monthly chat guest and he's very happy to answer um, everybody's training questions um, so first of all uh, my question is um, so and I found out that I couldn't train I couldn't do the Lakeland 100 this year because I haven't done a 50 miler in the like the right time frame so mm -hmm. um, that's where we are now so now to do the 100 miler I'm now down to do the Montaigne Lakeland 50, but mm -hmm. to qualify for then doing the 100 miler the next year, I've got to do it in sub 16 hours. And yes. I've noticed that some 100 milers, like for example, the Centurion races, they require you to have done a 50 in 15 hours. So mm -hmm. um, I was just wondering, because I know I can get round a 50 and probably in the cutoff time, I'm hoping, because it's quite generous mm -hmm. on most 50 mile races, but, um, so I don't have any problem kind of completing that kind of distance because I know I, I can do it. I've done that before and I'm quite determined. But how on earth do I get fast enough to do that? Because speed is not my forte, it must be said. Yeah. <laughs> Determination and just keeping plodding on definitely is. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, it's not even these kind of races. If, you, if you're looking at some of the, you know, the, the really big famous races in terms of things like Western States, um, you know, they've got a list of qualifying events, but you have to finish in certain times. Um, you know, that can be finishing 100k or even 100 miles in a certain time uh, in order to, to qualify. Um, and again, it's, it's looking at, um, you know, even things like, you know, the UTMB type events. Again, it's a case of there's often, uh, you know, cutoffs that you're looking to, to achieve. And I suppose it's also we're thinking about you know being able to do the the distances in in a fast enough time so when you're saying a fast 50 miles we're sort of talking about fast enough that we're ahead of the cutoffs rather than we're talking fast enough to win the race win oh yeah we're not talking yeah. winning the 50 miles <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not for um, me anyway so then you need to be understanding the demands of that particular course because of course every race every ultra every trail race is going to be different so one 50 miler can be very very different to another 50 miler um you need to be thinking about what the the elevation changes but also the type of terrain so is it going to be very technical so you know, we're just mentioning the start of our call here that i was out looking at the snowdonia um uh, ultra trail snowdonia and that's going to be a very, very technical race, very tough underfoot, very rough underfoot, you know, bits of scrambling in there as well. Sounds great. Compared <laughs> to <coughs> a lot more runnable. So there could be something with a very similar elevation change, but it's very, very runnable underfoot. Um, so you need to understand the demands of that. 
when it comes to obviously the cutoffs, um, some races will have sort of front-loaded cutoffs. In other words, that it's harder to hit those first couple of checkpoints. And then once you get there, the, the cutoffs kind of get softer, as it were. Yeah, uh, so you've got to kind of make to the, the effort to start with. Yeah. So there are some races where you know you're going to have to go hard um, relative for you for the first 90 minutes, two hours, something like that. And once you then through those first few cutoffs, then you're going to be um, a lot safer um, and maybe can sort of relax into it a little bit more. So you need to just do a, a really good analysis of the event that you're targeting, understand yeah. Yeah. what those time splits are. And then you can think, right, I need to get to this distance in that amount of time. Mm-hmm. What is the what is the distance? But what's the elevation change as well? So again, you know, you coming from your you know your hiking mountaineering background, you'll be aware of the Naismith's rule when it comes to calculating um, time. So thinking about how much elevation change. So if we've got a was it a thousand meters of um, elevation gain, it's going to be the same as ten k on the flat. So you can kind of work out, right, well, if it would take me this amount of time normally to run a 10K, so let's say it takes you an hour to run 10K, and there's an, an extra 1,000 metres of elevation vert, then you're looking to add on an extra hour on top of whatever that distance is yeah, going to be. Yeah. So you can, and I mean, that's a very rough guide. Um, there's a, another, I'm struggling to remember the name off the top of my head, but there's a sort of European um i want to say it's a german calculator that you can use to again work out what your speed is therefore likely to be or your time likely to be over certain terrain certain distances so again with all of my races i will use those calculations to work out what time i'm likely to be at set a stations because then that helps me plan out what my nutrition is in between each aid stations but we can use the same thing to think about, yes, what do you need to be taking with you between each aid station? But then also, how long is it likely to take between each aid station? And make sure that you're then pacing yourself. A, you're not going off too hard because you're scared of missing those cutoffs. And you end up going much faster than you need to. And let's say you end up an hour or an hour and a half or two hours ahead of those cutoffs. Yeah. But yeah. then you blow up. Yeah, and that's then, yeah, what you've been worrying. <laughs> Exactly. But also that you're not bimping along, join the scenery and then suddenly realise, oh, hold on, I'm now slipped my timings. So it's being very aware of what your time, what your pace needs to be, what your effort levels need to be for each of those sections. So it sounds like before you even start the training or anything, there's a lot of planning to be done around this race. So I need to sit down and really have a look at the Montane Lakeland 50 and just like write it out, like like yeah. on a big chart on my wall, like and have a, maybe a gradient profile of all the hills and yeah. things like that. Um, that's oh, that sounds really fun. I love doing stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, that's it. I mean, we've, we've talked um, a few times about sort of race planning and things like that. And, um, you know, go back to the you know the hundred mile stuff and the amount of planning and preparation and kind of just calculations that I do for these kind of races and that's you know something that people always then comment on um, yeah. that you know not realizing how much thought goes into all the other stuff 
around. It's not just going for a run. Yeah. Um, how that train has to be built up. I had on my list of questions sprint work, mileage per week, long run, aid station efficiency, but we haven't even touched on those yet. We're just planning at the moment. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And but once you've done that, once you know, okay, so I need to be able to run, you know, let's say that the the first aid station is, is going to be 10 miles into the race. Yeah. Right. So I've got to run 10 miles with, let's say it's going to be, I don't know, 2,000 foot of elevation change or 3,000 foot, whatever it's going to be. Okay. So how long would that normally take or how long have I got to do that? Mm-hmm. What am I doing in training now? So then you can start to replicate that in training. So then you can test yourself. And if you can try and replicate similar terrain, brilliant. Because, of course, then you can give yourself the confidence that, okay, I know what it feels like to run 10 miles in, let's say you've got three hours to do it. Okay, fine. So I know that I can do that 10-mile trail section with a similar elevation profile in two hours 30 great i know i'm going to be ahead of the cutoffs big confidence boost so mm-hmm. you're not standing on that start line going am yeah. i going to make the cut off because the nervousness the fear of am i going to make the cut off that's energy that you're just wasting just through fear and nervousness but if you stand on that start line and it's like yeah i know i'm going to get to that first cut off and it's all going to be fine yeah you you're going to be great Cool. So you have to train for the kind of the broken down parts of the race that you've sort of broken down and put on a piece of paper or like put in a spreadsheet or something like that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay, well, this makes it all sound a little bit more doable in a way because it makes you feel more in control of the situation. Um, Because otherwise I was just going to throw myself at the 50 miles and just hope for the best really so this is brilliant um but is there certain things that you can do like in terms of like should I be looking at a certain mileage per week um I know you mentioned for the 100 that now I should be on about 40 miles a week and then next month possibly was 50 miles a week um but I'm not actually doing that because <laughs> yeah, I'm now sorry. not doing 100 but yeah do I have to do a certain mileage per week Again, it depends on the type of terrain that you're you're looking to race. So if it's something that is very hilly, then actually making sure that you're doing enough vertical gain is probably going to be a, a more important metric for you. With a lot of trail races, it's, it's more about time on feet rather than hitting a certain distance per week. Um, I mean, in order to comfortably safely finish a a 50 miler you know you need to be in a position where you're you're quite happy running say 30 miles a week on a very regular basis um and the thought of doing a 30 miles a week isn't isn't a challenge for you Um, and if you're doing you know 40 or more then you're probably doing enough mileage to get around that um quite comfortably yeah you don't if you're doing a 50 miler you don't need to be worrying about you know, doing 50, 60 miles a week um, just to finish a 50 miler. Now, yeah. if you're looking to race a 50 miler, yeah, okay, we're talking we're talking more, aren't we? But just to finish with a smile on your face and not suffer too much um, and not be, yeah, chasing those cutoffs too much, then getting yourself in a position where you're doing, you know, 30 miles a week, nice and comfortably, 
you're probably going to be in a good place, provided, again, you're getting enough elevation in there as well. It's not just a case of getting on the treadmill and just nice, easy, flat running, yeah. and then suddenly put yourself on the trails and you can't run. And would you include walking in that? Because I did a 15-mile walk up Fairfield on Friday. Yeah. Um, a bit of can I include that? Because it was a good bit of elevation. Yeah. Okay. So you can include hiking. Okay. And should I be doing like maybe one sprint session? Um, The Montane Lakeland 150 training plan says to do um, 10 30 second efforts um, within an hour's run on one of them. And then it also says to do like five strides at the end of another run. Um, Is that enough? Like, because 30 seconds, you know, it's not that taxing doing the 30 seconds. Um, No. Maybe they'll up it in the following month or something, but at the moment it's 30 seconds. That's enough. So, I mean, that's working on your your running efficiency, so working on your mechanics of running fast. So it's not a case of doing those kind of sprint efforts aren't working on, you know, for example, VO2 max, where you're doing, you know, two to three minute efforts. it's working on on simply the kind of tendon conditioning. It's working on the you know the neural coordination of of running fast. Yeah, they uh, said imagine like Elliot Kipchoge just running a marathon and do that for your thirty seconds. It's not supposed to be like a full out like sprint on a rugby pitch yeah. or something. They said it's like relaxed speed, like dum, 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 right. like imagining yeah. a really good runner running you know at a marathon pace speed. Yes, which for me is Absolutely. a sprint. Yeah. So, you know, scattering um, strides like that in at the end of your long runs, um, you know, a few of those within your easy runs is all brilliant stuff in terms of improving your running, essentially your running form, uh, your running efficiency. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I suppose you're getting those two to three minute intervals if you're just seeking out hilly runs in general, aren't you? You get it, not intervals, but you're getting that vertical sort of effort in you don't have to apply depends how you're building the hills in so it might be that you are doing some specific efforts on the hills so yeah absolutely you know i think uh, a key workout is you know every week doing at least one solid effort that two to three minutes so really hard on the hills so it might be five by three minutes up a hill jog back down again Mm -hmm. or on a long undulating um, you know, maybe a, a medium long run, so, you know, 90 minute long run or something, um, you then add in sort of five by three minutes of hard work uphill yeah. and then easy running in between. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, a, that's a key workout. But if you're going out to do, let's say, your easy long run, you want to keep that effort easy. So okay. even if you hit the hills, you don't want to then be pushing into that kind of zone three or even zone four, that sort of upper okay. aerobic. It's, you know, if you're going out to do an easy aerobic run, you keep it easy and aerobic. Yeah. So that probably does mean you're going to be hiking some of those hills yeah, rather okay. than pushing hard. Yeah, um, so that hard session made. would just be like an hour session, but the long run Good. would be like maybe like six hours hiking, running, but keeping your heart rate low, like 140 beats per minute, that kind of thing, and hiking yeah. up the hills and being okay at so, the end of it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you mentioned about doing the Fairfield, you know, horseshoe there. Um, you would have been hiking up um, out of Ambleside. Um, you would have been sort of running hard up there. Yeah. And then 
when you get up to the the top, you might have been jogging little bits on the on the top of the sort of plateau, and maybe some of the descent coming down. Um, well, depending on which way round you went it. Um, <laughs> did you come down the wall side? Did you? Or um, no, we went up. We went up the right hand side, and we went an, uh, anti clockwise, so the way that right, most yeah. people we met coming down. Uh, but yes. we did hike it because I was with my husband, yeah. and he um, isn't running fit at the moment. Oh, he doesn't like running stuff like that. <laughs> So we're just hiking, but it was great. Yeah, so, so you're just hiking up, so you're just keeping the effort level in that, you know, zone two perfect. That's what we're looking for. Yeah. So would you do, you know, the two to three minutes, um, five times two to three minutes efforts of hard work, would you do that session as well as one of those 10 times 30 seconds yes. um, efforts within a 60-minute run? Okay, so that would be like an extra session for me to add in. Because if I do, if I complete all of the sessions, like the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, um, mm. and then Saturday, Sunday runs, I just feel mm. really knackered. So I didn't know mm. whether maybe I should just like drop the Wednesday session so that I'm just running four times a week rather than five. Because I just don't know if I can just, I don't know if I can hack it. I just keep getting a cold. I keep getting uh, everything Finley brings home, I just get. And sometimes I don't yeah. get a good night's sleep. So I think for longevity, I might just have to tone it down a bit for me personally. That's parenthood for the next couple of years. <laughs> Yay! Wait till he starts start school as well. All kicks oh. off again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, unfortunately, that is that is just parenthood. Um, I mean, avoiding getting sick is, is about making sure that we're getting sufficient recovery in there. Um, you know, are you getting enough sleep? And of course, that's always a challenge as a parent. Yeah. Um, what's your nutrition like? So, you know, are you are you getting enough calories to support your training uh, and all the other demands? Um, I'm eating too much second. chocolate, I think. Well, chocolate's good. It's for magnesium, <laughs> isn't it? So, um, but it's very healthy. It's a health food, practically. Are you getting enough, you know, fruit and veg to get those those micronutrients? Um, so things like that. It's, it's looking at your overall, you know, nutrition, overall health in in general. So it might be a case of if you if you're struggling to recover, why? Because if you um, essentially if you're only so careful with that, but only running five times a week, you're not overtraining but you might be under recovering. If you're struggling to recover from that amount of training, it's less that the training's too much for you. It's going to be more that the recovery isn't sufficient to cope with that amount of training. Yeah, now, I think it might be the sleep. It, <laughs> exactly. Now, it may well be that you just acknowledge, right, it's not that I'm training too much. It's just that I can't recover enough. And yeah. therefore, you do need to knock the training down a notch. So, yeah, maybe you do drop it down to four times a week. Yeah, and give or do more walking rest. rather than actually That's running. It. Yeah, or make the Wednesday. So do you know? It might be strides on a on a Tuesday, a, a good fast hike on a Wednesday. You do your two or three minute efforts on a Thursday, rest on a Friday, easy run Saturday, long run Sunday, mm -hmm. something like that, or long run Saturday, and again more mountain time on a Sunday, just hiking time. Yeah, you know, it might be that way around. Um, but it, I would say, if anybody is struggling with with recovery and, and feeling like they're they're not able to absorb the training, is reflect on how well are you recovering, 
And the big rocks of that are going to be, are you getting enough sleep? Are you eating sufficiently? Um, and then looking at the structure of the training. And then we can add on all the other additional um, ways of improving recovery. Yes. Okay. So that sounds like a good week. So the, the good aim for when not ill is doing the, the hour run with the 30 second efforts times 10 on like say a Tuesday on a Wednesday. It's just a nice, easy, either walk or run for an hour um, with maybe five strides at the end, like 15 seconds, just running fast um, strides just to get your um, technique going. And then the Thursday can be the five times two to three minute efforts, which is hard work within like an hour or so's run. And then Saturday park run, but with a buggy, so not hard work. Well, you know, it is in a different way. (laughs) In a different way, but not pushing it. Like I used to try and do like a tempo run with the buggy and that's really hard. Um, And then Sunday, long steady with club. So yeah, because I look after Finley on a Saturday so that Steve can have some time to do what he wants. And then Steve looks after Finley on a Sunday so I get time to do what I want. So I usually do the long steady run with the club. um, And then we have like a bit of family time in the afternoons. So yeah, that sounds good. Yes, that sounds like a good plan. When I'm not ill, um, that's fine. So I need to be eating loads of fruit and veg. We've got loads of fruit and veg in the drawer just downstairs. I need to prioritise more sleep, I think. I need to just... Because sometimes Finley goes to sleep at like 8, and sometimes I'm like, right, well, maybe I should just go to bed now. But you kind of feel like you want a bit of time to yourself, don't you? So you end up going to bed at 10, waking up at half 6. that should be enough surely eight and a half hours but i just i've always needed a lot of sleep yeah or maybe it is just you know that mid-afternoon just 20 minutes shut your eyes whether it's a bit of meditation just you know headspace app or calm app or or there's other ones out there uh, or just you know lie down yourself that 20 minutes just to recharge yeah um, that's a good idea yeah yeah, that's mm. a great idea. Um, I've been struck down by migraines quite a bit recently, so I'm just trying to get to the bottom of that at the moment. I have got them in the past, like from um, usually from um, sunlight, and I've got the mm-hmm. window just here, and sometimes I'll get one in the left-hand side here if I don't shut the window, which is a real shame. Mm. Um, <coughs> but just recently, <coughs> they've been getting more frequent, so I've just mm. made a list of everything that might be causing them and I'm going to cut everything out. I think I might have eaten too much chocolate this month because it's my birthday last month so I got sent loads of chocolates and I just ate them all within like days. So it could be mm. the chocolate. Um, yeah, it could be not wearing my visor and not wearing my sunglasses. It's really annoying because it's really debilitating. Yeah. But but anyway, um, yeah, things like that prevent me from running and this cough mm-hmm. that I've had for two weeks yeah. now, it's just not shifting. But I am running again. Yeah. <laughs> Which is yeah. easy. Well, keep keep chatting to your GP and find out what the, what the yeah. solutions are. <laughs> if it were that easy. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard to see one around here. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, that sounds great. I feel renewed um, with uh, my efforts around my training for the 50 miler. Um, I just wanted to also just chat a little bit about the race itself, the 50 miler, because mm-hmm. I know that you can do quite a lot um, in terms of efficiency at aid stations. Um, mm. And I just wondered what your thoughts were about that, because you can waste, you know, if you're spending, if there's 10 aid stations and you're spending 10 minutes at each, then that's immediately 100 minutes. Absolutely over an hour sort of lost do do you need can you just run through them like how how are you personally more efficient at aid stations would you say 
So it depends on how many aid stations there are. Um, you might want to think about if they are quite close together in a race and maybe the first aid station isn't long into that race, do you need to stop at that first one? So are you going to be standing on the start line with, you know, two full soft flasks of, of drink and, and food and all the rest of it? So can you just run straight through that first one if it's only maybe five miles into the race or something like that? Um, so again, being sort of tactical as to which aid stations you want. But then also in that pre-race planning that we talked about earlier on is having a very clear idea as to what you expect you're going to need at every aid station. And I will have that written out, you know, aid station one, I need to fill up two soft flasks. I need to pick up whatever bits of food or whatever my plan is. Um, so when I'm approaching that aid station, I then go through that mental checklist of, right, coming up on this aid station, this is what I'm looking for. For example, if there's only water as I'm approaching it, I'll be asking the helpers, right, where's the water? And just go straight there, fill up, boom, out. If, for example, in your soft flasks, you're um, adding some extra powder to them, so whether it's, um, it, it's going to be like sachets of Tailwind, for example, or, or other products, um, get that in your bottles in advance. So, you know, you finished your bottle before you got to that aid station, great. So as you're approaching the aid station, get your soft flasks out, unscrew the lid, pour the powder in. So when you arrive at the aid station, all you're doing is putting your, your rubbish straight in the bin, filling up with the water, top on, back in your pocket, walking out the aid station, rather than get to the aid station, stand still, unscrew your bottles, pour the powder in, fill the bottle up, da, 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 da. just get all that done whilst you're jogging or hiking into the aid station. So it's just prepping in advance. Yeah, and sort of move through the aid station. I feel like yes. you're sort of doing everything so you can be like, here, here's the stuff, pour the stuff exactly. in, and then yeah. go off, like, to, um, screwing the bottle back up whilst you're moving out of the aid station. Yeah. Yeah. You get <coughs> pick up that food, but don't start eating at the aid station. Start walking down the road. Uh -huh. um, you know, some of the, you know, the longer ones, you might be picking up a hot drink, so you might be carrying a mug and you're picking up a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. Well, don't just stand in the aid station drinking it or sit in the aid station drinking it. Walk down the road with your mug. Stand still, take a sip, walk down the road a bit more. Um, try not to spill too much, but you can be getting, you know, five minutes down the road when then you finish your cup of tea rather than mm. five minutes just sitting in the aid station with a cup of tea. Yeah, even walking is really, really useful. Absolutely, yeah. You know, I've done races where, again, you know, you're carrying your own big bowl and, and spork and, and picking up your, you know, your hot meal at an aid station. Yeah, grab the hot meal and then we're walking down the road eating our pasta or whatever it might be. And you're getting another five, ten minutes down the road and then you finish your meal, put your plate and everything away in your pack and off you go again. Yeah. You haven't spent ten minutes to still. You spent ten minutes, all right, not running you're still further down the road than you would have been otherwise. Mm. And that's really good because when you sit still or sit down um, in the middle of an ultra, you're more mm -hmm. likely to, to just seize up, aren't you? And not really, yeah. and mentally or not want cold. to get going again. Yeah, get cold, yeah. So there's two reasons for doing it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah. So just keep moving, relentless forward progress. Yeah, I was gonna say that, yeah. <laughs> it's a book, isn't it? An American guy's written that book. Yeah, yeah. Right. is it Brian Powell? Did he write that one? I can't remember. 
or I should know, I've got it upstairs on my bookshelf somewhere, so I can't remember the author's name, but yes. Um, yeah, one of those yeah. ultra runners yes. from the US wrote that book. Yeah, that um, cool, okay. Well, have we covered um, quite a lot, um, have we covered enough, do you think, about the fast 50 miles? Was there anything else you wanted to say, um, or can we go on to the um, patron questions? Yeah, let's, let's go through some, some questions from the patrons, because, yeah, I think there were some that fitted into some of this as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, they do. Um, the first one here is actually live from Philip Haddock, one of my patrons. Um, he's uh-huh. also training for the Lakeland 50, um, and he uh-huh. says, I do two speed sessions a week, one three-hour uh-huh. slow run, and uh-huh. one over three hours, and two days of weight training. Wow, that's brilliant, that sounds. And he says, do you think that is too much? Well, when you're saying about one run that's over three hours, it depends on how much over three hours and for what purpose. So those longer long runs are useful for sure. Uh, and particularly, you know, for novice runners who haven't got maybe the experience of going for, you know, five, six hours and, and longer, you need to be learning about kit in terms of what works when you've actually been out there you know does your pack start rubbing after three four hours um the load you know where you pack stuff in your in your pack where you put things in there and how easy to access when you're out on the hills um you need to practice your nutrition so what food works for you um you know i was having a chat with a, a guy yesterday who yeah very good marathon runner he's a faster marathon runner than me but of course, his marathon runs are all done on gels and then trying to transfer that onto 100 milers hasn't practiced what other nutrition is going to work. So it's about going out there and thinking, right, so what what real food is going to work for me at this intensity? So, yes, those longer time on feet is useful for identifying those um, aspects of, of ultra running. But in terms of the fitness gains of doing those longer, long runs, you start to sort of question the, the risk and reward. Mm-hmm. Um, your risk of, of fatigue and injury will be going up significantly, going over those that three-hour mark. Um, and the reward of additional fitness will be getting less and less. Would it be so, worth him hiking them then? Yeah, so again, <coughs> going out and just doing a you know a long day in the hills. So again, if it's Lakeland, it's maybe getting up to the lakes and just thinking, right, can I go and hike for six, seven, eight hours? You know, just but a good hike. Um, there might be bits of jogging in there, but the emphasis is I'm going for a hike. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting the walking poles out and and hiking with them. And then the runs are then more quality focused. So we said about doing, you know, some speed work, some tempos. Um, and within the, you know, the three hour run, there could even be some quality work. So adding in blocks of tempo effort. So some tempo hill climbs. So I just said to you before that, you know, don't be adding extra intensity within your long run. But if he's then doing a much longer zone one, lower end zone two, hiking volume, he's got the capacity to then add in maybe a little bit more intensity into a three hour run. Um, but in terms of, is it too much? It all depends on what your time availability is. So if you've got the time to do more training, great. Um, if you can recover from that and absorb that training, then brilliant. But of course, if it's starting to impact on 
too many other areas of life, then you've got to look at the overall balance. Yeah, yeah, and is he Does recovering? That your question, dude? Sorry? Does that answer your question? He's, he's live, isn't he? So he yeah. can respond yeah. back to me. Yeah, Phil, get back to us. Did that answer your question? It, um, Kingsley had a question which was basically the same thing, um, and you've just answered that straight away, so that's good. Um, <coughs> but yeah, I suppose it's just, can you recover from all of that training? Um, so it sounds like maybe... Um, if it does seem like too much, maybe doing a hike um, for that long over three hour run would be good. Um, let's take another question now. We've got David Grimsel, um, who would like to get into ultra. So he says, my question would be, if you want to get into ultra running, where would you start and what sort of distance races would you do to begin with? Now, I, I reckon 50K is a really good start. I love a 50K race. It's 30 mile, 31 miles. You can call yourself an ultra runner, but it's not that much more over the marathon distance. No. What do you reckon? Absolutely. I mean, if you've got some experience and you've been doing, you know, maybe you've done a marathon, road marathon, things like that, stepping it up to 50k is it's basically a marathon and you just keep going a little bit longer. Yeah, and it so, might be a bit hillier, so it might take you a bit longer than a normal, you know, like a L L yeah. London marathon, like you might be aiming for four hours, like it's a good time. Definitely exactly. don't aim for that, like more like eight hours for a 50k in the mountains, like the Manx Mountain yeah. Marathon, I'm guessing will take me over eight hours. Um, on that's it, but it, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be a scary distance you know if you know saying to you oh could you train and do a marathon and you're thinking well yeah I've, I've done that before that's okay then saying 50k that should be a very similar response you know it's not going to be um you know training is going to look very very similar um so yeah absolutely that's very much within your within your abilities now some people will jump straight in and do you know 50 miles or even 100 miles as their first ultra run yeah. um it's doable of course it's doable um is it sensible well, is any of this sensible <laughs> um but it's a question i come back to this you know how are you going to enjoy it are you going to be smiling when you come to that that finish line or are you going to be grimacing because you're in a world of pain um, and I think, again, there's another question from the patrons I spotted earlier on about, um, you know, ultra marathons planned for next year. And what do I do between now and then? And is that sort of longer term plan? So, you know, I've got a, one of my clients. The goal is to do, you know, 100 miles in the mountains. Put, you know, she's a, a US based athlete looking to come and do, you know, 100 miles in, in you know, the Alps, you know, one of the European races. But we're building up. So we've done 50 Ks, we're building up to 50 miles, we're getting comfortable there. You know, we'll build up, get, you know, 100 K, no di no difficulty. That's, you know, um, building up experience in the mountains and then we'll build up and build up and, and eventually we'll be in a p position where, you know, 100 miles in the mountains, you know, that's that's very achievable. It's going to be hard work, but yeah. very, very achievable. Yeah. And it's the same thing here. You know, if you're thinking, right, I want to get into these ultras, is look at this as a, as a gradual process. Yeah, absolutely. Can I do a trail marathon? Maybe you've only done road marathons. So maybe just get some experience on the trails. And there's there's loads of really, you know, um, I suppose sort of entry level trail races out there. Um, you know, me being up north, my immediate thoughts are things like the Lakeland Trail series. Yeah. Um, very friendly, very open. Um, you know, start, you know, you've got 10Ks, 15Ks half marathon type distances and then you know moving up to the marathon distances and beyond of course mm, but they do a 100k one don't they exactly they got the 100k um 
but that's a good way just to build up your skills and experience mm. uh, skills of running off road um, and then yeah it might be a case of a really fancy a, a mountain 50 miler for example like yourself doing the you know the lakeland but maybe you haven't got experience of being in the mountains um, and navigating as well and map reading and things like that and okay yes we've got our gps's but you still need to be able to map read so is maybe spending some time actually just getting out in the hills so we said before about just going hiking but maybe that's it you go out there with the the sole purpose of practicing your, your navigation and your map reading and just building up the the skills for that as well Mm, and yeah there really is no rush is there that's the brilliant yeah. thing about this like the the only pressure that you put on yourself is from yourself no nobody's really unless you're an elite athlete and even then probably not I don't think Scarpa's telling you to go and oh you must do the UTS 100k Tim like they wouldn't they'd be happy if you did the 50k wouldn't they you could run around oh, yeah. with me exactly yeah there's no pressure to do any particular events yeah um, there's you know we we get offered you know we get offered free places at, at sponsored events that, that Scarpa look after, um, but there's no expectation that we have to do those. Um, so it all depends on what fits into our personal personal plans. Yeah, we've got another question now from Severine. She's live also. She says a que- she has a question about cross training on a bike. She because pref- you're mm. also a triathlon coach, aren't you? So she says she prefers it when there's a lot of resistance and her legs go slower. But would it be better to to have a faster rotation? Both are useful. So you know, doing some of the low cadence grinds. You know, doing some efforts there that does help build the, the leg strength, you know, particularly for the, for the climbs going up, um, for sure. If you're using bike as, as cross training, are you doing that as a workout? So, you know, one of your harder efforts for the week, or are you doing it as additional base aerobic conditioning, but without the pounding of running? Yeah. In which case, you know, the effort should be in that sort of zone one, zone two, you know, nice and easy. So just be careful you're not pushing... Uh, more minutes per week into that kind of zone three tempo types. But using the bike is also very, very useful for working on your cadence. So if you're somebody that you know that your cadence is a bit low, so you're a bit kind of heavy footed um, and you know that you need to work on, on speeding that cadence up. Or again, if you're somebody, you know that you struggle with the descents and actually being able to turn your legs over quick enough on the downhills then doing some high cadence spin-ups on the bike can also be very, very useful so that when you do need to run downhill and really turn your legs over really, really quickly, you've practiced that that skill set, that motor patterning uh, on the bike as well. So, yeah, it can be useful from that point of view. Oh, um, cool. Oh, that's yeah. cool. And the bike, I mean, I, I like using the bike for, for runners because you can really hurt yourself on a bike. You can go really hard and go into the pain cave and learn to suffer on a bike. Um, runners, Lovely. Often, as soon as the legs really start, the tendency can be to kind of back off a little bit. Um, but on the bike, you learn you can just grit your teeth and get on with it uh, and you can hold a bit longer. So it can be quite good for some mental toughness as well. Ah, brilliant. Cool. 
That's a great question there, Severin. Thank you very much for that one. Um, so back to the running now, we've got Mick Suville. Um, he has a question, he's doing the Race to the King, uh, very yep. popular races by Threshold Events there, um, 100K in June. Um, so he hopes it's, it's quite a runnable route, so it's like 65 miles, mm. something like that. Um, what are Tim's views on the best HR heart rate zone to run in to achieve the best possible outcome over the distance? Is it advisable to aim for maintaining an aerobic zone or push towards threshold if this was sustained by appropriate fueling? So that's an interesting question, isn't it? Yeah. Keeping it aerobic. So I've not done Race the King. Um, I've done Race the Stones um, twice. Um, uh, second time I, I won it. Um, Whoa, I've done congrats. Race to the Castle, um, although they're not, obviously that was a one-off event. They, they didn't then run that, they didn't repeat that one. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, Race to the Castle got third. Um, cool. um, I would just say, you you know, it's 100K, um, you've got to keep it aerobic. So again, I'll, I'll use the, the Race to the Stones as, as the example there. You know, as far as I'm concerned, Race to the Stones is pan flat. Um, there are very few hills. Now, it's a little bit lumpy. I grew up on it. I know the Ridgeway incredibly well. My, my parents' house is literally on the Ridgeway. Um, but even that, I walked every single hill on the Ridgeway, even the very short ones, even the very, you know, even some of the gradual hills, walked every single one. Now, in that first half of the race, yes, people were then running past me uh, on those hills and getting ahead of me. But by the second half of the race, I was ahead of them and they never caught me back up again because they were slowing. So you're looking for that even effort throughout the whole distance. Now, Race of the King has got some some good hills in there. So what you need to do is practice fast hiking. Because if you can fast hike up those hills, keeping your heart rate in that aerobic zone, you're going to find actually you can probably hike up those hills faster than some people think they're running uphill. <laughs> um, but your heart rate will be significantly lower. But it also means you're not going to blow up. You're going to maintain that even pace throughout the whole the whole distance. So, yeah, it's keeping it easy. It's having the discipline not to go off too hard. And again, you know, if you want to get scientific, there's numerous papers out there looking at pacing strategies. Mm-hmm. in terms of you know do you look at a fast start a lot of the work on pacing has been done on track racing um so looking at 5k 10k on the track um there's some work looking at marathon pacing and there's a little bit looking at um, ultra running in terms of um more the kind of mountain stuff and or track racing in terms of six or, or 12 hour racing but what they all show is that even effort generally will give you the fastest time now sometimes there are tactics that come into that so sometimes you know some races and again this comes back to maybe some of the shorter distance stuff where tactically you might need to go hard early on in order to kind of break people um but for an ultra marathon and what we're talking about it's that even pace go steady at the start stay aerobic don't go hard don't burn your matches um, so we talk about burning matches. If you go into that threshold zone, you're burning a match, and you've generally got six of those that you can burn before everything then just crumbles, and um, you're not going to be able to push out any real speed. So yeah, keep it aerobic. Keep it aerobic. That is very good advice. Thank you for that. And that just reminds me that I shouldn't get too carried away on the Manx Mountain Marathon and try to run up the first hill. <laughs> well, I mean, again, a, a good. Um, 
thing to ask yourself in that sort of first mile, or the first few miles of an ultramarathon, if, you, if you're going up a hill, ask yourself the question, if this hill was in that last mile of the race, will I, will I be running up this? Mm. And if the answer is no, start walking. That is really good advice. I like that. Yeah. That's a good uh, little nu nugget of information there. Um, so we've got another question now. We've got um, uh, three more after this, so hope we can fit them in. Um, today, Ush Campwell says, um, my June race is 84K with um, 2,300 metres of ascent, same in descent. Um, his main uh, trails are around him are shut because of maintenance. So he knows he has to increase his mileage and his vert. Um, but what are what is your advice on managing that? Like, should he do like two thirds good distance and then a third steep climbing, or what should every second weekend be a steep hike? Um, yeah, what what do you think there? Um, so yeah, it depends on you know if you're needing to maybe travel to to get onto some trails you know maybe it's going to be an hour and two hours drive away then it might be a case of yeah can you do that on sort of alternate weekends or every third weekend or just once a month just make the effort to get out onto those trails um and then the rest of the time is yeah it's working on general base fitness so if you can't get onto the steep stuff if you can't get onto hard trails just use your running just to build your overall fitness. If we can just get you faster and get you fitter running on, maybe it is on the roads or on on you know better hard pack trail, things like that, then fine, that's just what you've got to work with. You can then still work on skills in terms of footwork drills. So it might be working on some some plyometrics, some skipping drills. Um, it might be getting your, you know, the ladders, you know, you see you know, footballers and sort of team sport people using for, you know, working on foot quick feet and, and skills there, it might be doing a bit of that. Um, it's about, yeah, working on the the uphill, so it might be getting on the treadmill and just doing some tread hills, so just sticking it on 10, 12, 15, or if you've got some of the really steep ones, you know, 20% inclines on the, on the treadmill, um, and just fast hiking that, or starting to work on being able to kind of run at a, at a steady pace on those uphill climbs. You might be getting in the gym and getting on the, the Stairmaster, and just grinding out, um, you know, an hour on the Stairmaster and just building the leg strength that way. Um, or if you haven't got that, it might even just be using a, a box or you know, plyometric box or a big step and just working on sets of 50 step ups at a time, building the leg strength that way. So those are the things to, to work on there. Fantastic. I hope that helps you, Tad. Um, he does have a bonus nutrition question, if that's okay. He says yeah, yeah. he's got a protein powder from a local shop with ISO whey, um, mm -hmm. glutamine and BCAAs. Is that overkill yeah. for running? So the textbook answer is you should be able to get everything you need from your, your normal diet um, and shouldn't need to supplement. Um, but in terms of getting some additional protein into the diet, then yeah, a whey protein mix is, um, so an isolated whey protein is, is a good way to do that. Um, and that's often maybe adding that in uh, just before bed, just to, again, help with recovery overnight. That's, that's fine. Um, L-glutamine, uh, again, quite good for, for the immune system. Again, you should be getting that from your diet, uh, but it depends on you know what your diet is like so you know if you're getting that from things like your red meats um, but if you're not eating a lot of red meat then maybe you need to be looking at, at 
supplementing it there. In terms of the, the branch chain amino acids, it's a bit of a funny one that was so most of the research has just shown that you don't need to add branch chain amino acids. You should just be getting that in your normal diet anyway. And I think if you're getting some some whey protein in in the mix, that should be hitting all your bases. Um, I'll follow up and say, you know, if you are looking to to supplement with with things like these products, is you need to be very clear about where you're getting these from, and are they clean? So look at the um, informed sport website um, uh, and and check, you know, have these actually been batch tested? So are these products clean? Um, have a look at some ask you can drop. Uh, mysportscience.com I think his website is uh, but Asker is a very very uh, well known researcher in nutrition and particularly in sort of supplements and he's got a lot of infographics a lot of really good information on, on his website uh, regarding you know what you could be looking at is it needed what's the evidence base behind it so you know do just look at that and then reflect on where does that then fit into your overall diet and of course if you've got additional concerns or questions about your nutrition your diet then is it worth actually having a chat with a nutritionist um, and just getting a bit more guidance and feedback specifically for you rather than mm. potentially just spending money that's just going to be going straight down the toilet and of very little benefit to you yeah um, yeah you could spend um you know a decent amount on maybe booking Reenie mcgregor to talk to you about your nutrition but that could mm. save you loads of money in the long term from doing so, random things yeah. that may not be right yeah, so just make advice. sure there's a, you know, a registered nutritionist or diet or sports dietitian, uh, sports nutritionist, because um, there's a lot of people out there. It's a you know largely unregulated area, so just make sure you're yeah. talking to somebody reputable. So yeah, Rennie or um, in in my company, I've got Liz uh, Liz Mahon, um, so she's got her own business as well. So you know, th- but there's lots of people out there. But yeah, that might be something you want to go into in a bit more detail yeah yeah definitely those two <laughs> um and then we have a question from peter um mm-hmm. he is working on planning for his first ultra in september 2024 which will be a 50 miler yeah. so this year he's been been doing speed work but he mm. doesn't have anything um bet- in july this year um between july and may um so should he start ramping up his volume towards the end of 2023 maybe do a marathon or something like that um, or can he just do maintenance training and some shorter fun races, um, keeping his volume high enough in training to tackle his mm. big adventure in 2024? Um, yeah. Yes, what do you reckon there? Yes, yeah, so I think it was the one I slight, started to touch yes. on earlier on. I was a question <coughs> in the chat um, In many ways, it depends on you know what excites you and what interests you. So we can only really maintain that real focus and that, you know, maybe volume and intensity of training for you know, a limited period of time, you know, let's say three months. So if you're looking to race in May 2024, you know, you don't need to start really focusing on that until, you know, the, you know, after after Christmas and the start of the year, really, and then and then start to kind of get into a good groove with your training. So, yeah, what do you do over the winter? Um, no harm in doing some short, shorter speed work, you know, working on your five and your 10K. If you want to do a marathon, you know, do a, you know, a spring marathon, an early spring marathon or a winter one. Um, yeah, absolutely. Then add that into the mix. 
I think as long as you're maintaining some some reasonable base fitness so that whatever you then spring from uh, in terms of your build-up for the, the 50 miler, and that's not too much of a shock to the system, then great. It's about consistency. So, you know, you've got that rhythm in your week that you know that Monday's your, well, let's say it's Monday's your rest day, Tuesday you do a run, Wednesday you do a run, Thursday you do a run, Friday you tend to chill out. You know, Saturday you do a park run, Sunday you do a bit of a longer run. You just keep that rhythm going in, in your life. And then that build up of your training for the, the 50 miler isn't going to be a shock to, to life and, and rhythm and routine. Um, but in terms of what you fit into that space, it's entirely up to you. You know, there's you know, no obligation to do anything. Um, if you're looking, for example, to to try and run fast at that 50 miler, then yeah, looking to work on your five and your 10K pace, or maybe even push up to the half marathon, that would be useful for sure. Um, if you know that your limiting factor is your overall endurance, then yeah, maybe looking at some half marathon to marathon type distances and just get, you know, build up your confidence and your experience of that kind of training, that would be useful. Um, but I would come back to what do you want to do? <laughs> it's not what you have to do. Yeah, that's a really great answer. I hope that helped you, Peter. I think he's going to be watching later. Uh, but that okay. was a really, really great answer there. Yeah, do what you wish to do, Peter. <laughs> We've got a couple of questions from Tracy now. One is a not live question. Um, mm -hmm. And one is a live question that she's just typed in here. Okay. So I'll read out the non live question first. Um, she's got an event in November. It's a, one of those ones mm -hmm. where you see how far you can get. Um, okay. So, back in ultra style. Yeah. Yeah. So she wants to um, do 24 hours or as long as she lasts. It's in Meriden. Um, and she's so she's going to potentially be doing 150 plus miles. So I think this is this is a topic for a whole different broadcast. Actually, I think she wants some tips on how to approach the event and how to tackle it. Um, um, it yeah, I think maybe we should just cover this in a whole nother one because this is a a really big question, isn't it? How like. Um, uh, she wants to be maybe doing the more well-lit areas at night time. It sounds like a loop starting mm -hmm. from Meriden near Solihull. Mm -hmm. Well, this is like my home turf. What is this event, Tracy? Um, I, at the moment, she... Yeah, so petrol stations at night, uh, distances as the crow flies, so she needs to go straight as possible with the fruit. She's got 100 miler in May, and the last week... Mm -hmm. The last weekend done my first 50 mile event of the year she says she's comfortable with 50 miles but her maximum is 58 to date so this is quite a big mm -hmm. leap up um mm. so it's it seems to be an event is that, escape? Is that me escape from meriden ah, oh yes yeah. so she's oh sorry it's not a loop sorry tracy so she's starting from mm. meriden and meriden and she lives in warrington wigan so she's heading towards oh. that way so she's yes. trying to get home basically as close oh, to home oh, as she can yeah. fantastic mm -hmm. Um, yes. Uh, Anything in a nutshell of advice here? I know this is quite a big topic, and she has yeah. got another question as well about lactic acid. So um, <laughs> it kind of goes back to something we touched on earlier on, which is you know for these twenty-four hour type events, it's about pacing. It's about not going too hard. It's it's starting off easy, mm -hmm. um, and I think some of the it's it's about your route choice. So you know for that particular event, it's it's up to you what routes you pick. Um, so you've got to be very clever about your your route choice. 
um, the tendency is you try and pick those sort of flatter sections, you know, getting on the canals and, and canal towpaths or uh, on the roads. But again, a lot of the kind of um, reasons people kind of pull out of that event is it is all or a lot of it is going to be road running, for example. So the feet just get battered um, as opposed to being on the trails where it's a bit more undulating, a um, little bit more sort of change of, of forces going through the feet and a bit softer underfoot as well. So it's it's making sure that you're conditioned for the type of terrain you're going to be running on. Um, is she doing it solo or is she doing it chained as a pair? I mean, that's another thing as well. If yeah. um, they do them, uh, if it is this event, I think it is, um, then again, there's the option of doing it as a as a pair. We're actually chained up together. So oh, it's, it's wow. like a run together. Um, oh, yikes. So, yeah, so there's all those kind of things. But it comes back to what we talked about at the, uh, the beginning of this call, which was that planning and preparation. And, and the more planning you put in and thinking about identifying your, your refill points, um, so yes, identifying sort of petrol stations you're going to be able to access and what's going to be open, what's not going to be open, mm. um, making a list of yeah, even kind of, you know, what time shops are opened until. So you've got a clear idea of where you're heading for and, and what time you need to get there for before the shop shops shut. Yeah, um, I see a spreadsheet things. coming on. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Get you get your spreadsheet out then, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, she says she's doing the solo event, so she's not going to be chained to anyone. So that's okay. good. Okay. Um, she good. does. She did also have a live question just earlier here. She said, um, um, "Have you got any tips on lactic acid in the legs on uphills? Because that's what stopped mm -hmm. her running up the hills in her ultra last weekend." Mm -hmm. I think I know what you're going to say here. <laughs> um, I mean, if it's an ultra, then you probably just you want to be backing that off. I mean, lactic, okay, we can go deep here if you really want. So <laughs> it depends how much time you've legs. got. We've done an hour now, yeah. so it's just, it's up to you. Yeah, We've got one more question about back. hip flexors. Okay, <coughs> let's not go too deep here. Um, essentially, I would just say, if, you, if the legs are burning like that in an ultra, back off the, the pace, you, you're going too hard. Um, but obviously you can build up your tolerance to that in terms of um, doing those hill efforts. We talk about, you know, the two, three minute efforts and doing the, those hill repeats in training just to build your tolerance to that. Um, but also don't fear that burn because the lactic, although the burn in your legs isn't lactic acid, move away from that kind of terminology, um, but you are producing lactate, but that lactate is actually a fuel source. So don't fear it, it's actually good. The burn in your legs is probably more calcium ions and things like that. But again, let's not let's not go too deep on this call. Maybe that's a, a sciencey chat for another day. Yeah, it sounds like a whole different world. Okay, yeah. yeah so so maybe slow it down, um, yeah. especially on the I mean, earlier uphills. People may have seen uh, Morton have just released a new product, um, their bicarb mix, ah. so sort of bicarb soup type of thing. Um, I haven't actually seen what the price is, but I'm, I'm imagining it's not going to be cheap. Um, mm -hmm. But that is a way of buffering um, that that burn in your legs um, and that, that acid burn. So um, it, it's coming. Um, there will be there will be more of these. It's it's a well known way to improve performance. But that's, you know, marginal gains when you've already nailed everything else. Yeah, it's so like the Killian Jornet levels. Exactly. Yeah. So for the vast majority of us, there are far more things we can be doing <laughs> rather than spending money on uh, the bicarb uh, product to, to, to try and change the um, 
yeah, the pH levels in our tissues. Yeah, no, that sounds far too complicated for me. <laughs> I'll just make my own at home as well. I've got some bicarb in the cupboard. Um, so... Be very careful. If you get it wrong, it's uh, rather disastrous. Oh, really? Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Oh, maybe, maybe not do that then. Um, brilliant. We've just have you just got time for five minutes more for yeah, one last one more question? question. It's um, Tina. She says, uh, "Could you suggest any exercises that would help strengthen my hip flexor, please? My left side is weaker and started to ache again while I was doing the Chester 50 Ultra. Um, so she thinks she doesn't pick her foot high up enough when the flexor starts to ache. So." That's Thanks in advance to Tim for any tips that you can offer. Yeah, so my sort of favourite ones there are going to be things like marching drills. So with a band, so those little mini elastic bands around your toes and doing marching drills. So picking your foot up and then holding that against resistance there. It might be doing dead bugs. So you're lying on your back, feet up in the air and you straighten one leg away from you, keeping one knee up towards your chest. But again, a band around your, your toes there. Uh, so again, you stretch that out change that over uh, or mountain climbers so again in that sort of press up type position and again pulling one knee up towards your chest and then back into press up position but again you can do that with a band around your toes to again give you that additional resistance there so uh, i've got a few um, of those videos on on my website so uh, maybe stick some some links in the in the chat down below afterwards and you can check on those uh, and then maybe claire can uh, copy those and, and demonstrate those and put a kind of a, <laughs> yeah. bit of routine together uh, yeah. and stick that up on the youtube if you want yeah no that's really helpful thanks tim i'll link to i'll have a look at those videos um i'll find them and i'll link to them um, but yeah, that's that's great. Hope that the hip flexor um, gets strengthened up, Tina, by doing all those exercises. Do you um, do you have a shop on HP3 Coaching where you can buy resistance bands or anything? Is there any that you I don't, recommend? Maybe, maybe I should sort that out. But no, I don't. Maybe actually. it's just that you know. Um, I don't know if you know Nick Knight from NK Active. That he's a podiatrist that I've mm. been talking to as well recently. He's got a little shop part of his website, mm. and they actually sell like resistance bands. And because he said you yeah. can get some that are really like not worth bothering with, and so he sells this pack of five and when you get to the yeah. worst the hardest one you just twin mm. it with the easiest one and then you build up from there again till presumably you're using yeah. all five um yeah. but yeah um yeah yeah um but thank you there's loads of people that are watching live and want to say thanks to you tim so i'm just going to read out some I nice watched. comments to you um kingsley said cheers claire for this awesome stream with tim um uh, this is exactly what i needed as i'm getting into my race to the stones training it's so great having an expert pointing out what not to do and what to do um so that's great phil um phil haddock whose question we asked really early on he says thanks claire and tim um peter says awesome stream um and there was loads of other nice comments as well um as well let's scroll back and see if i can find um yeah Peter. there were nice comments there were yeah there were honestly honestly there were today says thanks because you answered his question as well peter said that's a brilliant line um it was the one about oh i can't remember it was that nugget of information that you told us earlier walking the hills if you can't walk the, oh, at the yeah. end yeah. you shouldn't be walking at the start um yeah. and um yeah uh, there was someone else that said, oh yeah, Philip said, real thanks. Thanks, Tim. Oh, oh, it's all the same people saying thanks over and over again. <laughs> um, so, um, uh, yeah, that's 
yeah, that's all the thanks is. Um, so yes, it, <laughs> thank you, Tim. Um, it's been really great to chat to you again. Um, yeah, and I will chat to you after I've done the Manx Mountain Marathon 50k coming up. What have you got next? Is it the um, UTS Ultra Tour of Snowdonia 100k, or have you got anything before so, that? Well, I've got. Um, I'm doing a, another. What's it called? Snowdonia Crossing. So the marathon. Uh-huh. Um, you're loving and, Wales at the moment. Yeah, so he- heading down there again. So Of course, uh, it begins with it. an S. Of course you're going to be in Snowdonia. So, yeah, very big, um, big big bit of elevation gain there. So that's at the end of this month. Um, and then um, in April, I'm going out to Sardinia with, with Scarpa, so doing a little trip out there. So that's Lovely. Nice, Another nice S. It had to be anyway, an S, didn't it? Uh, Spain, and then May, yeah, back to uh, Snowdonia for the Ultra Trail Snowdonia 100k. And we've got uh, a whole bunch of my athletes there, so we'll be about nine of nine wow. of my team racing there. Oh, brilliant! The cool. Are they? Uh, is any of them going to do the 50k? Will I meet any of them there? Yeah. So there's um, myself and Lewis doing the, the 100k, and then we've got a whole bunch of people doing the 50k, oh, uh, and a couple of people doing the 25k as well. So, oh, brilliant! Yeah, good. Um, and then in June, I'm off to do Lavaredo. Oh, brilliant. So 120k Lavaredo. Uh, and then in, what else have then got in? September, I'm doing the uh, Ridgeway Challenge. So that's the full distance of the Ridgeway. Oh, wow. Uh, the 86 miler. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, go back there and see how see what I can do for the full distance. Yeah, that's brilliant. Oh, well, we'll all be following your progress. Um, just remind us where we can follow you again on Instagram and your website so, details. Yeah, in, Instagram's where I sort of do most of the sport type stuff. So, uh, Tim Piggott, HP3. You can find me on, on Insta there. Um, or the website is hp-3.co.uk. So, again, there's, there's bits of information on there. Uh, and, and more information about the sort of coaching team if you're wanting help with with your own running um, or again specialist input from uh, sort of sports psychology nutrition snc uh, it doesn't need to be a full coaching package so you can always just uh, access uh, the different members of the team there fantastic yeah if you want to improve yourself having a coach is definitely a brilliant way to just bring get the best out of yourself you don't overtrain you do all the right things and you get to chat to tim like every month as well it's fantastic and he'll chat to you and only you for like an hour at a time it's absolutely brilliant um we all love chatting to tim and lisa mason summed it up really nicely she said fascinating stream thank you both of you um now offer a run in the sleet <laughs> excellent so have fun on your run today, Tim, um, maybe yeah, on the treadmill, so you're yeah, not slipping we'll, around. We'll see. Snow's coming down pretty heavy now, so yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, it's really heavy now. Um, yeah, good luck with the sprinting in that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's been yeah. fantastic to talk to you. Um, thank you, you so much for your time, and um, no good luck in Let your next event. Yeah, you too. Take cool. care. See you soon. Cheers. Bye. Bye-bye.